Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WFAN. WFAN-FM. New York. It is always interesting on this program how things sort of come full circle. First, this feeling of panic that I've had for the past hour is finally gone when all of a sudden, while I was in the bullpen area here at WFAN, Frantically looking for my ID. And then I reached into my back pocket. And I thought, I've been looking for this for an hour? I thought I was locked out of here and it was in my back pocket? What's wrong with me? Ah. <sighs> Yes, that phrase, I'm losing it, reverberating in my mind at the time. But glad to have this back in my hand, although I am always frightened looking at that picture of myself. Got to get, I got to get a new picture. Oof, picture on that ID. Oof, man. Looks like I was in a battle with the ugly stick and I lost. Um... We move into a discussion in uh, this hour of our program that should be a, a good one with the guest who has uh, spoken with us before. And appropriately enough, when we're talking about the idea of remembering things and the mind, and we've had discussions with her before on uh, the topic of brain awareness. Usually it's been around the month of March when there's talk about brain awareness, uh, cognition, and the like. Dr. Shelley Pazer is joining us on our program. And she has an interesting uh, background. She also has an interesting perspective to share with us on our program in a couple of different areas. First of all, it's nice to speak with you again. Good morning. It's great to speak with you, Bob. Now, you're doing some interesting uh, work because, as I understand, you're working on your own. In the past, you had um, been working with – last time we talked to you, you were working with Building Better Minds. Um, yes. Where is the work that you're doing on your own taking you now? What happened um, – I was working with primarily children, mm-hmm. and 
in the course of working with children, I often did group talks with parents and grandparents and so that they could get a better understanding of why brain training or just brain exercises were important. And as it turned out, the adults ended up loving it. And I was asked to speak at a couple of meetings, AARP, at senior groups here and there, and I found that I absolutely loved working with adults. I, it's something, I had not thought of it before, and working with adults in a group is so important, and it's so, I feel wonder, I get so much out of it because I love um, to see how excited they get and how eager they are to keep their quality of life physically and mentally for as long as possible, and it's totally doable. So now what I do is I basically work on mental fitness or brain fitness, with adults, and that could be any age, but typically 50s and above. I mean, I've had people in workshops who are over 100, <laughs> and um, it's, it's great. They, they love it. It helps. I love it. It helps me, and that's what I'm doing. You know, as you said that, it, it's, it's natural for me to do exactly what I did. Is I immediately looked into the control room with, I'm sure, a look of dismay on my face, thinking, people over a hundred, and our first thought for many of us, and I did this, so I'm going to say it. You think, well, are they fully aware they have all their faculties? Bob, I'm so, I'm sorry. For some reason, I can't hear I you. I said I said. You know, the natural thought is a lot of people will immediately react when they hear you say people over 100, they'll immediately react in the way that I did and think, do those people have all their faculties? <laughs> yes. Um, they're not as strong as they used to be. Right. But there's so much research being done and has been done on the aging brain, because people are living longer. And there was a misconception for a long time that our brains formed, and then at a certain point they started to decline. But those were our brains. And that was never thought, that thought was never applied to physical aging. I mean, people thought and, and always pushed for seniors to move, to keep themselves physically active in whatever way they could. And the same applies to the brain. There's such a, they now say that the brain is plastic and that's the whole field of neuroplasticity, that we can change our brains at any age and improve our function and hold on to more of what we have. There are physiological changes in our brain but the brain compensates in many ways. It's an incredible organ. It's just amazing to me. Okay. Now, with this idea in mind that we can change our brains at any age, how receptive or how has the receptiveness to that message changed over the years that you've been doing this? I think people now are, uh, well, Definitely more receptive because 
the the studies that are being done and reported are in uh, publications like the New York Times, um, Harvard Health. I subscribe to so many newsletters now from major universities that have research departments, uh, and people are ex- actually excited about it. Everyone wants to think that they can live longer, um, more fulfilled lives, and and especially as people are getting older, they don't want to give in to oh, I'm old now, and that's what happens, and I just have to deal with it. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. And people are very excited. I have to tell you, I I started doing these workshops not even knowing what it would evolve into, and I was hired to do workshops at a senior center in Rockville Center, and they assumed that about 25 to 30 people would come, and I go there every other week, 75 people showed up for the first one. And months later, there are still crowds of 60, 65 people every workshop. They look forward to it. Mm-hmm. They're happy to do it. And they're attentive to what's going on. They're, they're getting it, in other words. Yes, and some everyone's at a different pace. Right. And by doing it in a group, I can't speak to each person's pace, but it doesn't matter. If I do an exercise where they have to remember numbers that appear and then disappear on a screen, and let's say I put up four numbers, some people may only remember one or two. Other people find four easy. That's okay. I'm not grading anybody, (laughs) but they can see their improvement over time. You know, it's funny when you say that that you're not grading anybody because... A lot of us also have this thought process where it's like we're automatically almost back in school and feel like we're being graded or judged in in a certain fashion, don't we? Yes. However, I will tell you, and this is another surprising fact, every time and I mean, every time I've, I do and I've done these workshops, whether it's in a library or a senior center or churches, um, there's something about, I've noticed, people who are older, they're less concerned with, oh, you know, what are people going to think of me and how am I going to do and... It just doesn't seem to be as much of an issue uh, for them. And, in fact, I, I do try to create an atmosphere that is somewhat fun in the face of doing all of this. It, it is done in a group for a reason, because one, because older people tend to isolate, and that's not good for our brains. And I want people to feel that they can also help each other. It just it means that they stay engaged. And I don't, I'll say to people, did anyone get all of them? And those people who did raise their hands, the rest, that's okay. I just tell them that's okay. You'll get there. And I think they pick up on that attitude and end up having fun with it, but 
really working hard. You can hear a pin drop during some of the exercises I do because there's a room of 75 people focusing and working on something I gave them so intently. That's what I want. That's what I'm trying to get them to do. That's part of the magic of the work that you're doing. We're talking with Dr. Shelley Pazer on our program and talking with her about some of this uh, work that she is doing in the area of um, brain training, talking with her about the aging brain. There's a lot more to go in our discussion, and we will get to that this Sunday morning. Dr. Shelley Pazer is talking with us on our program on The Fan. Uh, Dr. Pazer has uh, joined us in this uh, 7 o'clock hour of our program. After our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program, and Ed Randall will be talking baseball after our 9 o'clock update on WFAN. We're talking about the uh, brain. Um, Dr. Pazer's uh, work with, uh, she talked with us about this whole idea of the aging well by keeping our brains fit, uh, workshops that she's been doing. And, you know, you've mentioned early on in this discussion that we can change our brains at any age, which is an intriguing idea. As people are listening to our discussion today, outside of the workshops, what sort of things can we do? Well, one of the most important things I do cover in my workshops and constantly repeat, but in shorter version, are the parts of brain health that are have are not about exercises that I do with people. There are so many um, factors in our lives that impact the way our brains work and the way they age. So, for instance, I talk to them about exercise, and I don't mean running in a marathon, but getting oxygen to our brains is is very, very important. I'm sure you've had the experience where you have to rush and do something, and you find, like, your brain is just firing. That's because you're... You're getting oxygen to your brain. You're moving. It makes such a difference. Um, What we eat, uh, sleeping is very important. And one of the most important things is hydration. And I don't mean that people have to drink gallons of water a day, but especially as people get older and they're not as physically active, I hear all the time, I'm not thirsty, I'm not thirsty. But your body is thirsty and Short-term memory is severely affected by dehydration. So if people wait until they feel thirsty to drink, they've waited too long. And I've seen firsthand what dehydration can do to short-term memory. My stepmother lost the ability to speak. She was speaking gibberish. She lost use of language because she was so dehydrated and had to be put on IV in the hospital. So I like to talk about those things, but there are also things where we need to to challenge ourselves. And people do many of these things already. For instance, people uh, read books. Reading books is fantastic. Reading books and joining a book club or talking about what you've read is even better, which is why I do the workshops as a group, because social interaction means that you have to engage in conversation. That uses so many more skills in our brains than just reading on our own. And if you watch a movie or watch a TV at home, talk to someone about it. it, it it's amazing what that does for our brains. Then any strategy games, bridge, chess, mahjong, 
anything like that. Checkers, great. Um, some people like crossword puzzles, some like word search, Sudoku, fantastic. There have been studies on playing an instrument that people who have played from childhood have much better improved cognitive functioning throughout their lives. So if people want to take up music, knitting is a wonderful, wonderful exercise. Jane Brody did an article in the Times about knitting, and it also lowers your blood pressure. Um, and one thing that I think is really fun, and there was a big article in the New York Times about it, which is changing up your routine. So, for example, um, I now switch between my right hand and my left hand when I brush my teeth. It's such a different process using my other hand. Mm. If you're right-handed, try eating with your left hand sometimes. Um, If you take walks, walk a different route, drive a different route. Because we get so used to doing the same thing over and over that we're not really engaging our attention and our focus. But if you change it up, all of a sudden, you have to really pay attention. And that's using your brain. Um, One woman in a workshop told me that she took my advice, and when she went to the supermarket, she started at the last aisle she usually goes to, not the first. And she said she couldn't even finish shopping. It was such a difference for her that she actually had to stop. And that's great. That's great. Keep doing it. You'd be surprised how much your brain is getting used at those times. And one other thing, in your last interview, you were talking about kind of visualizing the different ways you could exit the building? Yes, it was. That's fantastic. That is a, a huge brain skill, visual processing. Visualization is part of so many things we do, starting from when we're young and we're reading. To comprehend, we need visualization. We're, we're forming stories in our head and visuals in our head when we read, when we drive, our sense of direction is relies on that cognitive skill. People tell me they have horrible sense of direction. You're not born with a horrible sense of direction. It's a skill. It's being able to visualize. And there have actually been studies recently where they put one people in a group where they actually did something like an exercise and other people who just visualized the same exercise but only did it in their heads And it turns out that even just visualizing created changes in their brain, and when they started actually doing the exercise, they picked it up much faster than people who had not visualized at all. So there's so many things to do besides what I cover in my workshop. I want people to get motivated and then extend it. All right. As you're saying that, I'm also thinking... But we also live in this age where, and I think you may know where I'm going, you look around and you see people staring into electronic devices. Yes. And this, in many cases, has replaced verbal communication. You know, there's, I guess I'll show my age here, this. A generation or two uh, now that 
realistically, that's how they communicate. Um, you know, whether it's text or you know these various social media uh, platforms. Um, how do you get people to actually communicate verbally, or is that important in this process? I I believe that it's important in the sense that just being able to socially, face-to-face, interact and be out in the world is different when you don't do it. Like anything, it's a, it's about practice. I mean, that's what what mental fitness is about. It's practice. It's what physical fitness is about. So, for instance, when I do workshops, one after the other after the other, I get better and better and better at it because it, it's top of mind. So if I don't interact with people, if I did them all over the Internet and didn't see people or interact, it would affect my ability to interact with people. I do think, though, that in terms of, um, like, having to respond and, and process information quickly, I think kids who are on their phones and, and just doing all these things on, on their phones or the Internet are actually incredibly fast, especially when they respond right away. I mean, they're so fast. <laughs> and that's processing speed, which is an important skill, and the one that actually declines even more than memory as we age. So I think socially, and I do think that verbally, um, you know, forming a sentence that's correct, grammar. Um, I don't think that's <laughs> that develops as well when it's all abbreviated words and you're only given 140 characters and, you know, you do it in pictures. Yes, it's using parts of your brain. So I people shouldn't think that their kids aren't using their brains. I just feel that they're missing out on certain skills. Maybe as Time goes by, years and years down the road, the skills we have won't even be important anymore. But I just don't see it right now. Well, you know, uh, on the other side of the coin, though, is a lot of us use our phones uh, on an increasing basis. And in many different ways, you know, there's tons of apps that are available that people uh, put to use, but people use their phones at times in very creative ways. You know, I, I, I go into a supermarket now. <laughs> more and more, it's rare to see somebody walking around with a list of paper uh, or a shopping list on a piece of paper. People have this, you know, on their phones. Yeah. Um, you know, people get directions to things. I mean, it's. It's part of the way in which our culture works. And I think that, you know, using that and being able to think associate uh, along with that is obviously a skill that, you know, you want to encourage. And we don't want to discourage the idea of people um, communicating verbally. But as you mentioned earlier, yeah, this brain processing is is ongoing, you know, and some of the young people that text, I mean, the speed at which they text is is phenomenal, you know? Yeah, 
<laughs> it is. Uh, so, yeah, they're processing information and uh, communicating in response very, very quickly. So their minds are definitely working. Um, you know, it's it, it it's it's kind of changed the way in which communication occurs, and that, that's part of the reason why I mentioned that. Because yeah. you know, when you mentioned the idea of a book, and part of my time is spent in college classrooms, and just mentioning that idea, and I'm about to start a class in a little over a week. And I know the reaction is going to be on the very first day because the question will come up of, well, do we really need the text? Really? Oh, yeah. That question always comes up. And my answer is going to be yes. Um, and it's that you need it, first of all, to open it. And secondly, to actually read some information that's assigned in there because some of that information, the things that you don't know. Uh, but this whole idea of even getting involved with books and um, communicating about the information that's in books, it's almost like it's become foreign to mm-hmm. some young people. And that's one of the things that I think is important in trying to keep people thinking, active, and even talking about books. So I was glad to hear you mention that idea about dis- you know, book discussions and, and groups like that. Um, I think that's a very important thing to do. Absolutely. I mean, think about what, what goes on when you're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Even if you're in class and you're having the students respond to questions or thoughts that you have. Right. That's very different from them just, you know, flipping through it on their phones and then going off and maybe writing a paper or doing a test. There's so much that they're not doing, so many ways of not engaging. Um, I even find that I do a lot of work on the Internet, you know, keeping up with all these, all the research and this and that, and I find that when I want to really remember something, I print out the article Mm -hmm. because there's something different. Even if I can highlight it online, it's not the same as having it physically. I can grab it and look at what I highlighted. Right. It's a different process. Um, You know, people say all the time now that the whole generation that's you know, replacing us in a way as we get older and move out of the workforce. Millennials are so different in their communication. And when you think about, like, I was doing a presentation one day with um, a colleague of mine, and we were speaking to people primarily in their 30s. And the feedback we got at the end was, we love the information you have. Can you just get to it? more quickly. (laughs) We don't want to sit for that long. If we want more detail, we'll go look for it. Just give us the bullets. (laughs) The bullets, the bullets. And welcome to my world. Yes. I can't even imagine. I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like they don't want an academic approach. You know what I know is academia. In my experience, it's, 
They're, they get bored. They and, don't hold. It doesn't hold their attention. Right. In many cases, it does not, unless it is presented in a, a visual fashion. Yes. Because the visual learning is a very key aspect of this whole process. And it's also got to be something I find that's interactive because yes. if it's just somebody standing up and they're pontificating and they're going on and on and on and they go into these nine million stories about themselves and how great they were and, you know, <laughs> 20, 30 years ago. Well, listen, you're talking to people who they weren't alive 30 years ago. That's right. Okay? There's, there is no point of reference, you know. So That's absolutely true. You, you have to deal with this in their world and to take it from that standpoint. And yes. that's the whole thing that's key here. It's also one of the great tricks that's involved. We'll take a pause in our discussion uh, with you. There's a lot to get to. Also, I mentioned the fact, you know, I didn't mention this earlier. Uh, somebody listening to us wants to jump in on this. There's a lot of people in the field of education who listen to our discussions here. 877-337-6666 is our number at the fan. We're talking with Dr. Shelley Pazer and talking with her about the brain and also about this whole idea of stimulating the mind too. More with her as we continue. 740 is our time. Hey, it's Derek Jeter Day at the stadium today. Bob Salter, Sports Radio 1019 FM. The Fan. Sports Radio 66 WFAN. Ooh, that was interesting. I think I actually saw He'll be along after our 8 o'clock update this morning. Ed Randall's along after our 9 o'clock update, uh, talking baseball here on The Fan. We are in a discussion with Dr. Shelley Pazer on our program and talking with her about the brain and uh, some very interesting uh, discussions, that um, areas of discussion we've gone into. I mentioned the fact that if you want to uh, join us in our discussion, uh, 877-337-6666 is WFAN's toll-free line. It is brought to you by Mohegan Sun, Connecticut, one world-class destination, unlimited possibilities. And it's always interesting when we can include folks who are listening to us in our discussion. Let's head over to Monmouth Junction, New Jersey, to John, who's called in. John, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Good morning. What a a breath of fresh air for, for the radio. I've been listening to you for years. I just can't wait for Sunday morning with you and Rick and all, all the other unbelievable people in the morning. Uh, incredible. But Thank th- you. for this brain stuff, you're welcome. For this brain stuff, uh, if, if you remember uh, Einstein, uh, Einstein's career, of course, you know, genius to genius, but that was one of his greatest tools. And I remember reading that and hearing that when I was really young. I tried, I tried to use that my whole career, uh, like, like 67. It's those brain experiments where he used to do these brain these uh, thought experiments, and just do everything in his head. Now, of course, most of us can't do that, but could you imagine just practicing that, just that as one sort of tool for everybody to do? No paper, but just thinking about how to solve these incredible problems that we ever, would, uh, you know, any way you have. That is so cool. Thank you so much for your time. Can't wait to hear answers. Bye-bye. Thank you. I... Totally agree with you. I I always quote Einstein because 
He had so many brilliant things to say about what learning really is, and it's not just memorizing facts. But we don't have to be Einstein to to build up that function of visualizing and doing functions in our minds, in our heads. For instance, I give I put brain teasers up a lot in my workshops, and there'll be a puzzle, let's say, with a piece missing. And then there are four pieces of the puzzle at the bottom, and they have to figure out which piece fits in in the big puzzle. However, what in order to figure that out, they have to rotate the pieces in their mind because they're not in the in the right orientation. And people stare and they look and they I see their minds working, and this is fun. And they yell out answers, and sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong. And when they're wrong, and then they find out what's right. They then say, oh, yeah, if I turned it this way. These are fun things we can do. We don't have to be, you know, Einstein to really develop that part of our brains. And Bob, for you, visualizing exits from your building is a wonderful thing to do. Oh, that's a good thing. And then when I actually go out the exits, too, that's a good thing to practice that in in doing it as well. gets me the physical exercise, too. Um, One of the thoughts I had heading into this discussion today is the idea also of, you know, when we're dealing, a lot of people are dealing with, um, in many cases, aging uh, parents who are experiencing dementia or Alzheimer's. Are there things that um, they can do that can sort of work on, I guess, triggering the mind to work? Yes. Um, typical mental fitness or brain fitness is is not a, a good medium when when someone has dementia or Alzheimer's, only because those are physiological changes that won't be reversed or even stopped necessarily. There have been studies that show that it at least slows down the onset of dementia because as we do these exercises, we're kind of replenishing the wiring in our heads and making it stronger. Um, But an interesting thing happened. I, for some reason, I don't even know exactly how the director of uh, the Lindbrook Restorative Therapy and Nursing Home thought to, that I would be a good addition for his his clients. Um, there are people in there who look vacant when I see them. Even mm-hmm. when I say hello, so many people are just like, they just stare at me mm-hmm. and are talking in the air and this and that. Anyway, he said, do it. And I realized that I couldn't do my typical cognitive exercises with these people because they couldn't do them. However, they love to listen. And so I started, and I go there on a regular basis, I focus on a topic. So, for instance, I'm going tomorrow, I'm going to be doing movie musicals from the 1930s through the 1950s. I've done Black History Month. I've done Passover with them. And what I do is I create a PowerPoint where I embed videos, and Mm. I tell them stories about the people behind the scenes, like how Bing Crosby got his nickname, Bing, and uh, 
Moses was accused of rape and all sorts of things that are not the typical things you read. And I have such a captive audience. You have no idea. And I see them start to shake their heads like, oh, yeah. And I've even got I get comments like I remember Billie Holiday and I and they love it. They sit for an hour glued. And and then I do one other thing with them, which is. I create bingo games that are themed. They're not typical bingo games where I'll have like a music bingo and there'll be each square has like a person like Frank Sinatra, Billie Holiday, etc. And I'll call out the name and they spend time and they look through every square and they try to check it off and get bingo and they're so excited. And it's just a wonderful thing. So there are things to do for everyone. It's just finding them. Mm-hmm. The workshops that you do, where are they? Well, I do some uh, where I'm there once or twice, like libraries, uh, senior centers, and that that's all over. It's Manhattan. It's a lot on Long Island. And then I do regular workshops, well, at, one at the Lindbrook Restorative Therapy in Lindbrook, which is on um, Long Island, and I do one at the Sandell Center in Rockville Center, which is an incredible senior center that offers a wide array of classes. And the people who go there are just so excited, you know, to to be doing whatever they're doing there. And I also have started at the JCC in Oceanside. I just started last week. The people there said, an hour's not enough. I want you to stay for two hours. I want... It was just... It's incredible. So I'm going to be there in the fall on a more regular basis. And and again, and that gets filled in with places that hire me for a series they're doing on health and well-being. And I'll go there twice and do a workshop. But the steady ones right now are the ones I mentioned. Hmm. What keeps you fascinated with this area of work? Say that again? I said, what keeps you fascinated with this area of Oh, work? I think a big part, well, it's twofold. One is when I am actually working with people and see them kind of light up and try, try to think things through or do things or remember words or numbers, I, I really feel like I'm making a difference. Um, and I love that. And I love how receptive they are. It's just an, I love being around that kind of energy, and I know that it's doing them good. The other thing is, being an academic by nature, I love um, subscribing to all these newsletters and reading articles and finding new research and, you know, highlighting it like I was back in school. And I go in and I tell people the the findings, the latest findings. Um, there was a just one example of that, there was an article that I brought in, and it was called um, Walk, Stretch, or Dance, and Dancing May Be Best for the Brain. And what they did is they did, this was reported in the New York Times, the health section, They researchers did a study where they started one group of people in their 60s and 70s on brisk walking. Another group started on gentle stretching and balance training, and the last group was assigned to learn dance, country dancing. Mm-hmm. The people who did the country dancing showed actual change, 
changes in their brain matter, in the, in the white matter that is where we transmit all our messages in our brain. And the reason they think is that when you are learning dancing, especially country dancing, think of all the parts of your brain. You're using your memory, your attention, you're visualizing, you're actually moving while you're doing it. And I love finding these studies. I just think the brain is so fascinating. Um, and I love sharing what I find with these people. So it's kind of like being a teacher with a super receptive audience. <laughs> well, it is fascinating work that uh, you do, and I'm glad that you've been able to share some of these uh, insights with us and also that you are um, being kept busy with the uh, workshops and the like. The words that you've shared are certainly inspiring. And I think, you know, to go back to something you mentioned very early on in this discussion, something that we all should keep in mind. As you said, that short-term memory is severely affected by dehydration. And I think that's something that everybody should think about and especially those of you who either care for someone who is older or perhaps you yourself are getting up there in age. It's just something yeah. to keep in mind um, because it's something that I've certainly noticed myself too. Dr. Shelley Pazer, thank you very much for joining us on our program. Thank you, Bob. It was a pleasure. After our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program. Well, that's assuming if he can tear himself away from the WFAN jingle singers. And I know they were out. It was like some sort of a chorus thing they were doing outside before. Interesting. And speaking of chorus, Ed Randall will be by. He'll be talking baseball. Undoubtedly, he may have a word or two to say about Derek Jeter Day today at the stadium. Spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.